Good evening, and welcome to the Smutcast, your source for, um... Holiday erotic pleasures. Yeah, we'll go with that. My name is Trevor. <laughs> My name is Rachel. And, um, yeah, so th- welcome to our Thanksgiving dinner we've prepared for you. Uh, we got some smut and some cranberry sauce, and that's it. And I don't tea. think this story actually featured cranberry sauce, but I think... Every other Thanksgiving dish was described in loving, vivid detail. I guess if now, you're going to write a Thanksgiving story, that's really the only correct way to do it. Is to It's like 50% like just fucking, and then 50% eating delicious Thanksgiving dishes. That's that, what I That want. sounds like my kind of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, I have bad news. Okay. I have... I'm concerned, but... I have... I'm ready. I feel like our entire endeavor here, what we do uh, week after week, um, just plunging the depths, uh, getting getting our hands dirty, trying to figure out and quantify and articulate what is and is not sexy, someone beat us to it. Did they? They did. The uh, good people at People Magazine have consulted their oracles, have brought in their alchemists and their scientists. They brought their shadowy cabal together. And they were able to quantify it. They were able to name the sexiest man alive, period, scientifically. Um, and uh, apparently it's Blake Shelton. So uh, so we can all go home now. We at the Smudcast will now be adopting a uh, a new grading system wherein we assign a story... Uh, However one, many Blake Sheltons. One out of ten Blake... Up to ten out of ten Blake Sheltons for how much the story reminded us of uh, objective sex god Blake Shelton. So the one to ten, is this like the level of alcohol bloat that the hero has? Because <laughs> that... How much they look like a person in their 40s that still finds reasons to wear their high school letter jacket. Exactly. How much, in one of my friend's words, they look like a sad divorced dad at a barbecue, just looking to get some tail. Like, I don't, I mean, I've made my position on things clear. Uh, Schlubby, uh, Shelby dude is kind of my thing. Sorry, Chris. I love you. You're beautiful. Um, (laughs) You're a connoisseur of Shelby dude. I am. And, like, even even if you like, like, schlubby white dude, there are so many better options than fucking Blake Shelton. I don't even know who Blake Shelton is, by the way. I've just, like, seen pictures in in the in the He's articles. He's a country singer. He's on The Voice, I guess. Okay, I've never... He's always yelling at Adam Levine, who is mm. also a the... horrendous... Individual. Him, him, knowing that he's known for yelling at Adam Levine actually makes him a little more attractive to me because I too would like to spend a lot of time yelling at Adam Levine. Yeah, I, I've got a few things to yell at Adam Levine about. Uh, mainly the fact that he named his latest album Red Pill Blues. God damn it. Fuck, fuck Adam Levine, fuck Maroon 5, fuck that whole. Fuck the voice, fuck everything about that story. I think the most surprising thing about that news was the fact that Maroon 5 is still a thing in 2017. I hate that that's true. I mean, like, Maroon 5 isn't the worst pop act working right now. I would say that either goes to Train or Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons without Uh, fail. Is Train still current? I mean, they were releasing songs as recently as three years ago that were in the top 100 okay i don't know if they've done that recently i would but i hate them and hey soul sister is the worst song ever hey soul sister is terrible my current like axis of evil would be imagine dragons mumford and sons and maybe like neon trees i don't actually mind those last two if i didn't like, the fact that I've only... Oh, the mixed... head and the heart, too. I don't know what that is. All the, the hand-clappy call-and-response, like, soft lounge folk for, like, easy listening. Okay, so you really don't like the Lumineers, then? Uh, I can dig on a couple Lumineers songs. A couple, though. What about Of Monsters and Men? How do we feel about that? Uh, hell no nah to that. Really? Hard I pass. like I like Hard Of Monsters pass. and Men. 
because I really like like folksy singer songwriter music, and there's so much of it that's good. And then there's like that. I don't know. That's fair. I but disagree. Do but you that's though? Fair. I mean, if you uh, if you're into it, like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yuck your yum, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't actually. I've never. I don't. I don't even know what you just said. So, uh, I, I'm fairly certain I misheard. Uh, who who do we want to who do we want to give the Smutcast awards for sexiest sexiest man alive? Uh, sexiest. Are we talking sexiest dumpy white man alive? Or no? I mean, just period. Uh, Richard Iwate, without fail. Is my sex. I feel like we have discussed Richard Iowa. He's a beautiful man. Let's see here. I, uh, uh, eh? Trevor's. Definitely did that wrong. Yep, yep, you got there. You got there in the end, though. Okay. Very, very nerd chic. Look at that bone structure, though. Look at that chin dimple. He's cute. He's not my thing, but he's kind of objectively cute. We do have very different things. things. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. We have some intersections. Sure. We're both uh, thirsting hard for uh, Chief Hopper this season of Stranger Things, along with everyone. I'm, I'm putting... I'm a, I don't know if I'd put him as my sexiest man alive, but he's definitely the sexiest man alive to me. <laughs> uh, Who would be your, your People magazine cover sexiest man alive? I just kind of feel like it has to be, like, Idris Elba every... Oh, yeah, of course. Every year. Voice alone. That guy could read the phone book and I would I would finish. <laughs> Same. Yeah, no, he's... Has he ever made the cover? I know he's usually... I think he won, like, two years ago? I don't know if he's that's He's usually true. in in the, uh, like, the little postage stamp size other sexy guys in, in the article, like, the, the spread, but I don't know if he's ever been the top sexy guy, which I think America knows he is the top sexy guy. Yeah, like, just... Like we don't need People Magazine to tell us. Yeah. So, uh, this year, we're thankful for Richard Iowata and Idris Elba, Idris Elba and David Harbour. Uh, if any one of them would like to arrive and be just on our Thanksgiving table uh, <laughs> this 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 holiday, will not will be down. Will will be down. So this week, this episode, we uh, are doing stuffed a Thanksgiving romance by Jessica Godziala, and this book wins the award for most just direct title. Yeah, it's exactly, it does what it says on the tin. It is a Thanksgiving romance. It's, I would say that it's the most vanilla, sexually vanilla story we've had so far. I kind of loved it, though. Like, I thought that the writing was so solid and the level of detail that went into the characterization and, like, setup of just the dynamic between the two leads and the side characters, everything, just, I I was really satisfied with this one. Yeah, I mean, I would probably classify this one under the umbrella of, like, basic bitch erotica. Mm. But it's kind of the best possible version of that. Yeah, like, it's not filthy, but it, I mean, it was definitely smutty, but... It's, it's, it wears its sort of, like, wish fulfillment angle, like, on its sleeve Absolutely. very hard. Uh, every, every aspect of this story is sort of crafted to be the most sort of, like, uh, erotica reader wet dream that it could possibly be. Like, the houses and the foods and the... And just the, the way that the, the main, the main gal, uh, is characterized is so... It's so author and reader wish fulfillment, but yeah. I don't even mind just because I I liked her and the prose I, was really strong. Yeah, the, and I'm glad that they didn't go full uh, what I would consider like Kathy comic with it because mm-hmm. she started out as like the like the first way that she describes herself is like oh I'm a shy bumbling like socially maladjusted girl who eats binge eats potato chips and which I mean nothing wrong I'm not trying to like to call her out on that but that can very easily devolve into like the self-pitying hapless Kathy comic sort of 
character. Yeah, um, I think in stories like this, uh, the there's a real tendency to give your heroine flaws that aren't flaws. Mm. And I mean, that's... With, the story is guilty of that, too. With any sort of um, witch fulfillment story, even the non-erotic ones. Hi, Twilight, how's it going? Um, this is the standard, like, she starts... They always start out by describing themselves as plain, but then she has long, wavy hair, like a, a diminutive nose, full lips, gray eyes. Uh, she's... Then later, like, describes herself as girl next door pretty. Which seems a little bit more realistic than like, oh, um, it, this story reminded me of the movie She's All That, which, like, with the whole, like, she pulls her glasses off and takes her hair down and suddenly, like, she's beautiful. Yeah, um, this blessedly has 100% less Freddie Prince in you, though. Yeah, yeah, not about that. Though apparently he's been doing really well as far as voice acting goes. I, I've right. played a couple of games with him as a voice actor, and he's been really good. Nice. So. Um, is he still married to, uh, is it Sarah Michelle Gellar? I don't know. I'm sure that I could look it up, but we're kind of doing a thing. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll have a Corrections Corner at the very end of <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, somebody can... Can set us straight on uh, the status but as, of that marriage. As far as I, as far as I'm aware, yes, they are still together, which is frankly a feat in and of itself. Yeah, well, good on them. I just assume that every couple that got together in the '90s will this inevitably break up. Yeah. Like, sorry, I guess people whose parents got married in the '90s. You shouldn't be listening to this podcast if your parents yeah. got married in the '90s. As a child of divorce, uh, also born in '90, <laughs> if that one hits home, uh, truth. But um, same Z's. Right. Yeah, I totally forgot. We have that in common. Um, so our our main character's name is Callie. She is shy, bookish. Being bookish is like the the cornerstone of her her characterization, and I think it's done really well. Like yeah. she's I could I could sum up her entire characterization as chips and books. Chips and books. <laughs> exactly. She she's like yeah, like. If Kathy from the Kathy comic and Belle from Beauty and the Beast, Ooh. like were put in a in a ninja blender, <laughs> squeezed out in the year twenty seventeen, and wore hipster glasses and patterned leggings. Gosh, she really does remind me of the she's all that girl. Who? Yeah. Was, do you know who that actress was? Uh, Rachel Lee Cook. Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah, that Rachel Lee Cook. Oh no, she's got glasses. I know. What a, what yeah. a cow! Like, how stupid do you think I am? Trying to make me think Rachel Lee Cook is anything but Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah. But, anywho, we got Callie, who is visiting her family for Thanksgivings. And she's, her mom's chastising her for eating chips over the phone. Like, this, the first conversation with her mom is, like, her mom hears the chip bag crinkle and then just, like, calls her ass out on it. Yeah, I, I thought it was, like, she... In the first, like, few pages, she specifically says, like, my family was never the overbearing sort. But her mom's like, have you been eating chips? And they're not from Whole Foods? (laughs) Yeah, she exactly says that. Like, um, we might have different definitions of what overbearing means. Yeah. But, uh, I I did like the, like, the way that her mom and dad are, are written. Um, they seem like really good and realistic foils for each, for each other. Like, the father is this sort of absent-minded, oblivious, professorly type who very obviously instilled in Callie her love of books and her... Shrinks her, away from conflict. Yeah, yeah. Like, is is kind of uh, an introvert, isolationist sort. And then the mother is very... Not aggressive, but assertive. She's a business, a business professional. Um, she eats well and exercises and kind of urges Callie to do the same and is, I wouldn't say overbearing later in the story, but she's definitely an alpha personality. Yeah. She's, she's seems like moms that I've met in real life, which is a pretty high compliment for family member characters in these sorts of stories because they never seem like that. She's like a New England power mom. Yeah. She reminds me of Gail. Yeah. Like if Gail was not a malignant narcissist. Mm Mm-hmm. She might be this mom. If if Gail was an actual sort of uh, New Jersey power mom 
instead of the version of a New Jersey power mom played by an effeminate homosexual. Yeah, <laughs> like, with, like, psychosis. Gail is fun. Gail is great. But this this story, like, it gave me so many warm fuzzies. Just the whole atmosphere of it. It's definitely a warmer... It, it reminds me a lot of the first story we did, actually. The, 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 ghost the, of, the, the Ghosts of Christmas Boning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got that... Because it's it's it never dips into anything like super reprehensible. I feel like right. I definitely had some problems with the main male character that we'll get back to. And in this story, yeah, okay, um, yeah. But like the the content is all like just nice and pleasant, and the kind of it actually has a bit of a message, which is kind of nice and pleasant. And yeah, it's just like, like a very be yourself message. And there's a good little bit of conflict with the uh, archetypal bitch character who's actually written pretty successfully. Uh, she she comes and goes uh, with a little fanfare, but she's she's not like cartoonishly awful in the way that they almost always right. are. I she's did- got history with the with Callie. Like it's her her cousin that bullied her when they were coming up through school, like one of the popular girls. And so they've got, and every, all of these characters have this history together that I think makes their, like the develop, the romantic development have that higher stake. Yeah. And, and feel less like it's a, hi, Hey, I just met met you and this is crazy, but I'm going to put my dick in you. Yeah. Like, like, it's kind of like, hey, I just met you after not seeing you for six years, and this is crazy, but let's make out in an apple orchard, and then I'll put my dick in you. Yeah. Uh, it definitely does have weird pacing as far as all of that goes, and a main male character who needs to learn some damn boundaries. No shit. But overall, it it is a pretty, like, warm little, like, oh, Callie needs to go home for Thanksgiving after a few years, and the guy that she had a crush on growing up is gonna be there. What will she do? Yeah, it's like her brother's best friend, who she's always carrying a torch for, and lo and behold, he's still fine. Yep, and also his parents are dead. That's pretty glossed over really quickly. Yeah, they're quickly. like, oh yeah, his freshman year of college, his they... parents both died from a car accident and cancer. <laughs> he, he seems to have very little in the way of baggage about it. No kidding, yeah. He's... I would move away. I would not live in the same town. No. He's just hanging around. He's a townie. But, um, yeah, so she has to go home to, to visit her parents for Thanksgiving. Hmm. And there are sumptuous descriptions of, like, stuffed pumpkin, delicious meals, and, like, I don't know, green bean casseroles. Yeah, it's it's just all, it's just all homey. It's a very homey story. And that's something, and this is a, a very specific personal preference. I love, like, lavish descriptions of food and stories all the time. Like, that's what I loved as a kid about, like, the Redwall books that everyone else hated because they talked about food too much. I was like, they didn't talk about food enough. So I was I was all about that detail and just the, the sense of of immersion into like the sensory details of Thanksgiving and the holidays and it was very cozy. It's a cozy story. Yeah. So she gets home from her flight and it turns out that her brother's best friend is already there and he sees her in her embarrassing airport outfit. Which is like a hip perfectly fine outfit yeah it's it's just a big sweater and hipster glasses like that's oh the humanity um <laughs> and he's there and lo and behold he's hot now i kept talking he was thinking, hot then too so. i kept thinking she's like he's aged so well i'm like he's 20 like eight he's, yeah he's he's gonna be years. fine like <laughs> he's aged like a fine wine a touch of gray give 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 him another 12 years and then see how you feel He'll probably still be pretty hot. And it's, that's the kind of story that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But It was weird that they were so young in this story. Yeah, she's only 24, which I guess is fine. That, that It doesn't really recontextualize anything. Mm. In fact, that makes her um, kind of craving to sort of, like, restart her life and legitimize it a bit more after some sort of, like, stumbling post-college years. Like, I get that. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's where I'm still at. Like, yeah, same. It 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 wasn't like uh, 
I feel like if they'd both been 10 years older, it would have made the story a bit more eye-rolly for me. Yeah. Like, having them be this young, I think... And they've only carried this torch for, like, six years versus... Or for 10 years, but only six of them where they haven't seen each other. Right. Like... And this kind of excuses the fact that uh, Callie's mom starts hardcore playing matchmaker, like, kind of out of nowhere. And, like, if, if they were older... That would kind of be weird, I guess. Yeah, it, it's it all it all scans at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I haven't done like the big family Thanksgiving thing in many many years as well. Um, but there's a part of this story that I'm like, that was nice when it happened. Yeah, it's uh, evocative. Now, now, now I I would not return to that sort of environment, but. But mm. the, the the story at least makes me kind of kind of nostalgic, kind of nostalgic for it. Yeah. Even though, I, what most of what I remember from like big family Thanksgivings was like biting my tongue about like the shitty regressive things my extended families would say oh, apropos yeah. of nothing. That's why there's wine. I couldn't drink back then, but I can now. Yeah. Now you don't have to go back anyway. So yep. Now now I cannot see them and drink wine. It's the best of both worlds. Um, so Callie's gets home and her brother's Callie's there. gets home. Callie's <laughs> gets homes and her bro- her brother's hot friend is there as well as her like her bitchy cousin Amy, <laughs> her evil uh, devil spawn cousin Amy, who is just like still like immediately passive aggressive after like six years, which. God, what a how basic can you be? She's got nothing else going on in her life. Yeah, I guess that's fair. She's just still trying to get some of She's uh, trying to Adam. relive the the high school. Like if you peaked in high school, then it's all downhill. It's all downhill. Um so yeah, Adam is the name of her brother's like best friend and Amy is like obviously trying to get some of that. Yes. And is is pretty aggressive about it through her brief appearances within the story itself. Not very successful, though, in the uh, getting of that. No. Come to find. Uh, because Adam is in a basic story like this, he is perfect. Or at least he's the what the author might consider to be perfect. Like, he immediately sees through Amy. He's attentive to Callie's needs. He, like, remembers in jokes and references that they had ten years ago. He buys her, like, three family-sized bags of chips. Because she's chips on books. Chips on books. Um, he's, he is written on the page as, as, as if he is like flawless, obviously me reading it and Rachel reading it, we see flaws in there that maybe the author didn't intend, but. Because we're reading with that eagle eye for, for like misogyny and control issues and stuff that I think a lot of readers are probably. Like, maybe that even factors into the fantasy for them, which is completely fine. Like, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But we read it with a critical eye, so it's... Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, we fucking talked last episode about, like, ways to write non-consent in your stories. So, like, obviously, him being a little shady by, like, mo- like our modern feminist, like, hypercritical eye is... It's... it's we You can't really expect every hero of these kinds of books to behave like perfectly in line with our SJW sensibilities. True. Um, that said, I do have words for Adam. Um, but I, I think what I was meaning to say is like, he's written with a air of like almost perfectness, but I never felt like that really, that never really like, pushed the story out of the realm of, like, believability for me. Yeah, Because he's, like, perfect in a very, like, down-to-earth way. Like, it shouldn't be too much to, like, want a hero that's, like, very perceptive and very aware of her needs and, like... Yeah, and just that values their history together and pays attention to interactions they've had and... When I started reading this, because I was initially impressed with Callie's characterization and in the prose itself, I was really like, "Oh, don't, don't let this guy suck! Like, don't let this guy suck!" And <laughs> don't she, ruin it with a 
fucking asshole dude. And she mentioned like, oh, he's a lawyer. I bet that he's going to show up to all, to Thanksgiving dinner in a three-piece suit. And I'm like, boo! Yeah. Boo to that! Boo to that whole notion! I do like that evil, bitchy cousin Amy showed up at Thanksgiving dinner in, like, <laughs> yeah. a fucking freakum dress. Yeah. And, like, six-inch heels. Yeah, she's a bodycon dress, fishnets, and, like, six-inch heels. <laughs> no fishnets, I don't think. Like, what are you doing? What is this? She's trying to break off a piece of that, uh... Adam, no last name, because we never find out what his last name... Or do we? No, I don't think we do. Was it like Gallagher or something? Ooh, you're right, it was Gallagher, because I kept thinking of Smash Watermelons Gallagher, but... What's... Oh, yeah, that guy. And so that colored my impression (laughs) of what this character was supposed to look like a little bit. (laughs) It's erotic fanfic of Gallagher. (laughs) (laughs) Smashed. A Gallagher erotic (laughs) love story. Yes. Um. <laughs> so you had you have some thoughts on Adam though on on our our hero. He's just like very like he like goes into her room and blocks the door. He gets really close to her when she hasn't like when she's obviously just uncomfortable in general. He says like. He's he goes directly into the dirty talk when they've only just kissed like two minutes ago. He also kind of like armchair psychoanalyzes her a little in ways that made me uncomfortable. Of like, oh, you've always been a pushover, not a pushover, but like, oh, like you're making such and such choice now because you've historically been like conflict avoided. It's like you haven't seen this bitch for six years and she was a kid. Like, don't don't pretend that you know her, man. Yeah, it's. It isn't my favorite, the the way that his aggressive side is written, but it's not, like, overtly rapey either. Yeah, like, no, it's not offensive. He, he asks for her consent before he does anything. Like, he, there, there is enthusiastic verbal consent established right. before any intimate actions are, are put into place. But it's just like... Dude, you're, like, staying in her, like, family house. Right. Like, Did nobody hear I mean, the moanings and groanings? If it's, like, an old wood, like, an old, like, real wooden house, like, the walls are pretty thick. Yeah, but the floorboards are pretty creepy. That's true. Um, I guess it's just, like, just, he, he doesn't have quite, like, the level of respect for her boundaries, that I might have wished that he had. Yeah, and like in our perfect feminist world. But going back to last week when we were talking about like what is the ideal, like what is the fantasy ideal that this story is trying to meet? Mm-hmm. I think this one pretty much hits it. Like if this is your thing, like oh like star-crossed lovers finally reconnecting after so many years in a quaint homey setting. Uh I don't, I don't feel like it gets a whole lot better right. than, than what this has to offer. I mean, it's it's blatant wish fulfillment. Like he's he's a he's just a small town lawyer who has perfect a perfect body and an amazing house and a big thick dick. Like, it's, <laughs> and he like bought the the beautiful like fairy tale house that she loved like in the town or something and it's like implied that he did that subconsciously knowing that it was her favorite which is pretty weird it's pretty weird but it, at least the story doesn't like he doesn't like tell her that like he doesn't reach that conclusion himself yeah uh cuz that would make it really weird and it would kind of push it over into like the he came to thanks him dinner in a three piece suit thing and i'm just like no 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 <laughs> yeah. no no none no, of that no 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 well we'll be having none of that today thank you yeah there was uh and tell me if you think this is creepy when uh he was like when i was 18 and you were 14 i started to notice you like Sexually, which is implied, but he's like, "You were too young," but I noticed. I, I, it's it reads as creepy, but I also like. I mean, I I saw a lot of seniors dating freshmen in high school, sure, sure, okay. and like that's a one year difference, and he didn't 
he like was specifically like I didn't act on it because I knew it was weird and gross. Yeah, no, I, so, I don't like, think he was creepy for that. I was wanted to get your take on that because it's it's definitely like not a good look. It's like borderline. But the fact that he is just like admitting it to her when she's twenty four and never thought to act on it, right, says a lot positively about his character i feel like i agree yeah and i totally forgot that freshmen in high school are like 14 yeah my, my concept of of ages of youths and their their ages is completely gone post-college like i don't know how old anybody is anymore so maybe it does make sense <laughs> that i mean i know that like by that point girls have boobs yeah. and i know that an 18 year old guy will be attracted to literally anything that has boobs. <laughs> anything. I, I, this is me saying this as a gay a, a gay character a gay character? I am not I am not a character in your you're, you're in your novel, Rachel. Like living in your own your own story. As a gay person, uh, I say this obviously all heterosexual guys will notice anything that has secondary sexual characteristics that skew female. Right. Um, yeah, so that, maybe it was not that creepy, I guess. It, it's definitely not the grand romantic sentiment that I think the novel wants it to be. <laughs> yeah. But it definitely, it didn't, like, put me off. Yeah. I and noticed it, but I wasn't, like, disgusted. I definitely thought about it. I'm like, I tried to do the math in my head. I'm like, that would make her either an eighth grade or freshman. Eh. And it seems almost arbitrary, but there's a big difference between eighth grade and like high school. Like, yeah, for sure. But just him noticing that she's like growing older and becoming attractive, and specifically thinking she's still way too young, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do anything, is is fine. Like the right. the fact that he noticed is fine. Yeah, noticed and chose not and that. didn't like say anything about it at the time. Like didn't didn't go to her like I'm going to groom you. <laughs> I'm. You're going to be so much pretty when you're older. So much pretty. Ooh, like it. It wasn't fucking wife grooming bullshit. Yeah. No. Not at all. And yeah, yeah, that was not not a problem. Just something worth mentioning. But yeah. Um. So they have their sort of will they won't they for like a minute, like like only four chapters out of this what eleven chapter book, yeah. Um, and then the will they won't they kind of turns into a degree of how much will they? <laughs> yeah, how much exactly will they? And the answer is eventually quite a bit. Yeah, they squeeze in a lot of a lot of that in. In the span of like a Thanksgiving weekend, but it's never it's, it never also never felt particularly forced to me. Like yeah. they, the the stolen moments that they have all seem sort of like appropriately like kind of harried and awkward and seat of their pants. Yeah, yeah, they uh, had to find time together where they could, and it, it felt realistic for sure. I, I really just love, I, and I've seen it in a few other stories. I just love the idea of, like, the character who had this big crush on this person and they finally, like, reconnect. Like, the fact that they're reconnecting in her childhood bedroom in the same spot where she probably had all of these, like, fantasies and heartbreaks about him. Like, that just that just works for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why yeah. that particular idea just works for me, but every time I see it crop up in a, in a story... It, it always it always touches me a little bit. Yeah, no, I liked that too. And I liked that moment at the end, at the far end of the story, where he finds her diary, where she's written all these gushing poems and entries about him. And, like, it's just sort of all come full circle, and it felt like a good a good way to cap off the story. Yeah. I, um, I don't really have a lot to go into with this story, honestly. If, if there was more objectionable content, I might. But overall, it just, it just worked. It, it was workmanlike. It, it, <laughs> it was. It had that, the classic grand romantic gesture at the end that I think does not translate to real life situations at all, but really fits that the wish fulfillment yeah. aspect of the story. So they, they have sex a couple of times while she's at home, and then she has to go back to D.C., where she lives, and they live in Massachusetts. She, she like, is heartbroken, 
eats three tubs of ice cream about it. <laughs> the first romantic gesture at the end of the book where she's flying back and she opens up her luggage and he put like a big bag of potato chips, chips in her luggage for her. I love that though. And, and she's like, he, he knew me so well. And then I ate the whole bag of chips right there. <laughs> That's a way sillier image to me than I think the other might have been. It's silly, but I kind of, and I kind of love that he, he's not, put off that she would just like demolish a bag of chips she's like this is something that she loves it's who she is and there are so many little moments in the story like one time when they're having sex uh she had like i don't know like tardis printed socks or something on and he was like don't ever change callie and then just kept drilling her I thought that was a sweet moment. And, and they fucking curl up on the couch to watch Serenity. Yeah. Like, the, the book leans a little too hard on, like, how nerdy Callie is and how just, like, bemused uh, Adam is by the whole <laughs> He's like, oh, notion. you. Look how cute you are. Also, I did, I did object to a few points on the nerdiness side of things. One... Um, there's no way that a bunch of, like, teenage boys are renting Serenity just to watch it casually. Like, unless they've <laughs> already watched Firefly, like, no one watched that movie other than people who have watched Firefly. I saw and it, apparently and you and Jasmine. Yeah. Like, you are, like, the two exceptions to that role. I don't, no one saw it in theaters. It made, like, literally zero dollars. <laughs> I like, wasn't wowed by it, but then again, I don't have the context of Firefly to... My interest. I, I mean, it's good. I like it. I like it a lot. But I just that that seemed weird to me uh, that Firefly was their big like th- that Serenity was like their big like touchstone moment from it's when it's got to be kids. an author thing. Like maybe the author just has yeah. an attachment to Serenity. And like, but at the same point, they're talking like, "Oh, you made us go to those dumb Harry Potter movies." I'm like, "Bitch!" Everyone liked Harry Potter. Everyone liked Harry Potter. Like, Like, you didn't like Harry fucking Potter. I guarantee, like, I knew a lot of people in college, like, a lot of different kinds of people that ran in different social circles. There was not a single one of them that I couldn't be like, which Harry Potter house are you in? And they would know exactly (laughs) what, like, how to answer that. Side note, did I tell you that um, my roller derby league is doing a Harry Potter house cup tournament? What? And it's going to be balling as hell. I'm there. Yes. I am there. I haven't been sorted yet. I am there 100%. Tell me what you get sorted into so I can go buy scarves. Yes. And and there's going to be a thing where you can like pay a, a dollar or two, I guess, to like buy a spell to cast on like Skeeter. It's going to be lit, guys. Come If you're in Austin, December 2nd, I want to say. I'm gonna look that up. I'm we'll, so we'll do a correction corner, but it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I'm so into this whole idea. I really hope that you are sorted into my house. What's your house? Ravenclaw. It's gonna be either Slytherin or Ravenclaw. Yeah. We'll see. Back but, on topic. Back on topic. Uh, the the nerd references did get a little bit eye rolly for me, but that's just uh, I think personal preference more than a, a statement of quality. See, I, I feel the opposite way. I really liked the, all those, like, the little peppering in of those little elements, like, that colored her personality. It just kind of fleshed her out more. And, I don't know, I found that charming. I guess I'm so used to trying to, like, suck in all of the all of the nerdiness central to my core <laughs> and, 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 and keep it hidden, keep it safe. You're like, how dare she flaunt it so freely? Yeah, yeah, that's... So when I see examples of it being flaunted, I'm like, oh, how gauche. <laughs> how very gauche. One thing that I do have a bone to pick with, in, uh, and this is on the sex side of things, can we just stop with this? Like, I know, I know exactly. You know exactly. We'll see. But when the guy is like, come for me, and then she fucking does, that's never happened ever in the history of orgasms. Like, maybe once. Yeah, no. Um, that wasn't where I thought you were going, but I also agree that that's... And furthermore, like, telling someone to come for you is a good way to sort of throw them off of their, like, mental orgasm game. Oh, yeah, every time. Like, so, like, that's, fuck you. That's, that's, that's both genders, like... Yeah. Every, every time I'm, I'm in an intimate situation and they're like, yeah, yeah, go, 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 go. I'm like, well, I can't now. I'm Thank going. you. Thank you for, for the pressure. <laughs> exactly. 
Take the pressure off, people. Okay, well, where did you think I was going with that? Oh, uh, um, the repeated usage of uh, se- her sex <laughs> and her cleft. <laughs> yep. Her fucking cleft palette. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've seen cleft also used to refer to, like, to that little V at the top of your butt crack, so... <laughs> Who knows what what the cleft like? Be more specific. Which cleft? I just don't. Those are. I mean, there are so many powerfully unattractive ways to refer to sex organs of both genders and that it feels a little nitpicky. I think that's maybe why I didn't uh, notice it and like specifically file that away as something to complain about because I feel so desensitized by some of the more nasty ones we've gotten. Her womanly box. Her womanly box. <laughs> I forget what else. Like, her mammaries. I mean, that's just a silly Her big swinging titties. <laughs> her big old titties. But... But, yeah, her sex, that, that's very... I don't know. Like... It's like paperback novel. Like, obscuring of what's actually happening. It's Yeah, it just feels... It feels like sort of the inverse of, like, the really gross ones. Like, it's way too safe and clinical. It's, like, his length. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what the best way to refer to the individual organs are. Um, and, and His meat stick and her sex hole. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Get We're done. Close. We're done. Uh... I actually that's a that's a fun game. What what would you say is the are the best uh uh synonyms for in, when writing erotica? You've had so much more experience than I have. See, I'm I'm in the minority of like people I've talked to about this, but I like the word pussy. Like I can get down with the word pussy and like cock too. Like it's standard. Everyone knows what you're talking about. It's not overly ambitious. Because, I don't know, anything else, like, you're erring on the side of being clinical or just, like, like filthy in a way that's not sexy. I don't know. What would you say is a good... I mean, I read a lot of gay erotica, and it's all over the place. And I usually sure. have very little uh, objection to just, you know, the standards. Uh, cock, dick, sh- I'm fine with shaft. I think prank is okay, too. Fine with, uh, I'm fine with all sorts of stuff on that front. It, it rarely, unless we're going, like, George R. R. Martin, like, fat pink mast <laughs> levels. <laughs> uh, is that in one of his books? Yeah. No. I, I... Sounds like a Jigglypuff or something. <laughs> uh, I don't usually have a problem. Uh, Are there any that have stuck out to you that have just, like, taken you out of the fantasy? Is um, it bad? I've I've definitely read um, turgid steaming length. Why is it steaming? I don't know. That's a great question for someone else. And it definitely it's baked ham. It definitely just sounds like Duke. Fresh out the oven. Ew. <laughs> like it's it's. I got your turgid steaming length. <laughs> no. Right there's a toilet bowl. No. But uh, as I think far it's the steaming that really puts it there, because like the the story was I guess set in it was like set in like a really cold environment, so like the idea was like it was so hot that it was producing like steam off of it, which is a pretty <laughs> fundamental misunderstanding of anatomy, honestly. Yeah, interesting. Though. As as far as uh, as far as lady business goes. You know, I'm uh, uh, sec- a like largely um, sexually repressed uh, gay man, so kind of every uh, reference to the vagina makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> like none of them, please. <laughs> but um, I'm usually fine with with pussy. I'm fine if it's a little rougher, sort of cunt. Yeah, I uh, can do that. I just just. Don't try to fool me. Like, don't try to fool me into 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 something. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not a nest. It's not a. a uh, I mean, maybe maybe if you're working some seventies bush. But... It's not a basket. It's not a bush. It's not a like. It's it's a vagina. And it's not like her core. 
Her womanly place. Her most <laughs> the sunken place. place. <laughs> the sunken place. The upside down. Man, that, that up, get out uh, fucking porn parody just writes itself, except for all the racism. Did you know that that movie is being classified as a comedy? By the like, Golden Globes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because people are very stupid and very tacky. This racism's hilarious. Yep. <laughs> that that movie what with all the jokes i mean there were a few good like i mean it's snappy funny moments but it's funny and like a ha ha oh shit this world sucks yeah and that world is our world yep our world sucks Merka. <laughs> maga um, so yeah i feel like that's really um about all i have to say about stuffed a Thanksgiving romance. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm glad that no uh, no food play was incorporated. Kind of expected it to be. You're glad that it wasn't. I was a little uh, disappointed. It would have made for some interesting discussion, but... If you had to read a passage about someone using gravy as a sex aid, would you prefer it be brown gravy or cream gravy? Oh, cream gravy's got, like, pepper in it, right? It, it seems like it would ir- irritate some uh, some situations. I mean, you shouldn't be putting either around your no. genitals, but like, oh, he like he, t- he took the gravy ladle and gently drizzled my chest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for think for a Thanksgiving theme, I, I will uh, I'll go with brown gravy. Brown gravy all the way. Yeah. Fuck, I want some brown gravy right now. I just want some Thanksgiving delicacies. I yeah. Let's go make that happen. I'm ready. I want it. <laughs> All right. So once again, Stuffed, A Thanksgiving Romance is available on Amazon.com. It's by Jessica Godziala. Her author bio says that she's really like active on Goodreads and Facebook. So feel free to check her out. I really genuinely would uh, like recommend this and support this. I, I, I would put my own uh, stamp of approval on it. Yeah, agreed. I want to support her. I think she's got a good thing going. She's talented, competent. And it's a dollar on Kindle, or you can actually buy the paperback version of this for $8 if you want to. Nice. It's got to be super thin. Yeah, it's only like 140 pages. It's like a a Bible tract, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Are we going to do some recs? Yeah. um, I want to do two kinds of recs real quick before we wrap up. Um, one, our just our normal, like, what are you into right now? Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll go ahead and do that one real quick. Uh, I was going to recommend tea because you were talking about tea. Yeah, I had some tea at the very start of this. Um, Tazo has these like dessert flavored teas. There's one called iced lemon loaf. That sounds like a fucking great that tea. Is... Devon. Wait, do you serve it hot still? Yes. Yeah. Like, huh? A hot lemon tea with heavy sugar. That, that, that could still work for me. It's got this like vanilla kind of aroma to it. It's real nice. Where do you buy it? Uh, Walmart or Target? I got I got it at Target. Uh, I got food wrecks out the out the wazoo today. <laughs> Butternut squash soup from Trader Joe's. Hot damn! Yeah, you live that life. I'm living that that TJ's life. Uh, that soup and their uh, pizza veggie burgers, guys. Yeah, I've had those before. They're really good. Yeah. I could spend an entire podcast just talking about the things I buy at Trader Joe's Same. and then eaten in one sitting because just I have no self-control. Go and eat them. Yeah, you have those vanilla bean cookies. Those vanilla bean cookies are my absolute fucking life. They're good. But yeah, that that's all I've got to recommend right now, I think, for not much in the pop culture on the pop culture tip. We saw Thor Ragnarok we in did. between uh, recording last episode and this one. It was solid. We both liked it. Uh, I think Rachel liked it a little more than I did, which is weird for a comic book movie. <laughs> um, I did. I enjoyed it. I had also not followed up on the latest handful of uh, of Marvel, of Avengers Universe movies, other than uh, the, the latest uh, Civil War, Captain America Civil War, but I hadn't seen... Did you like Civil War? I really like Civil War, yeah. Good, good. I think that Civil War is probably the best one they've done, and I've heard some... I like Winter Soldier quite a bit, too. ...backlash uh, to it recently, which I always... I find pretty objectionable. 
they're like, oh, it doesn't have, it's the same old Marvel movie with no stakes. I'm like, the movie's like entirely emotional stakes. You're watching your parents fight. Yeah. It's great. I, I really, really like Civil War. But yeah, um, Thor Ragnarok was good. I finished Riverdale. Yeah. Season one. I haven't watched season two yet. Uh, but Chris and I sat down and watched all of that. And it's fucking great. I love it. It's so good. I love Veronica Lodge so much. I want her to be my precious child. Um, I want her to be my wife. That's fine, too. I think, I think Chris is the same way. Uh, but glorious. watching it, like, very recently after Stranger Things season two, uh, I'm just, like, overflowing with beautiful children. <laughs> These are all my sons. <laughs> Um, but I do question what is in the water in Riverdale that makes all the children such good, beautiful children, and every single parent such a <laughs> shitty, terrible. terrible parent. Like, there's an epidemic in Riverdale of bad parenting. Although, Archie's dad is pretty solid. Archie's dad is fine. He's a little checked out, it seems. Like, yeah. you should probably be keeping better tabs, sir. True. Oh, one more recommendation that I'm sure everyone has already watched. I'm always the last on board to popular things, but Mindhunter? I haven't watched it yet. So now you're if if everyone else who's listening to this is is has already seen it, then you at least recommended it to me. Yes. It is wonderful. Alright, and the second thing that I want to do, because this is, episode is going to come out probably either Thanksgiving Day or the day before, what are you thankful for, Rachel? I am thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for my health, fam, and the fact that we are able to continue to do both this podcast and our D&D game for a little over a year now. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm really grateful that we've managed to keep our D&D game going like consistently. I'm really grateful that we managed to keep this podcast going semi-consensually, if I'm being generous. Is that um, consensually? <laughs> it's all consensual on my end. Uh, I've been in the spike game too long, Rachel. It's affecting my vocabulary. Did you mean consistently? Consistently. You know, the podcast. I'm sure I'm not like <laughs> forcing you to do this podcast. She's, she's, she's definitely got like a switchblade hidden. <laughs> like, Trevor is can... saying everything at gunpoint right now. Yeah. The magic of podcasts. They'd never know unless we said it. That's true. Um, I'm grateful for my lovely boyfriend uh, who supports this endeavor that I do every two weeks and who supports me in an uncountable number of ways. Uh, he's wonderful. I'm grateful for being back in Austin yes! and and being able to, to see my friends all the time. And hopefully um, hopefully the next year is, is better than this year was. Yeah. So that was a note to end on. <laughs> If you'd like to hear more um, jarring tonal shifts, please <laughs> uh, follow us on Facebook. We're at the Smutcast. You can email us at austinsmutcast at gmail.com, or you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Smutcast. We could really use your support. SoundCloud is not free, uh, nor are these books. All right. Once again, my name is Trevor. My name is Rachel. And we hope that you guys have a great holiday, and we'll see you back here in December. Same smut time, same smut place. And also, fuck colonialism. Like, low-key fuck Thanksgiving, but also enjoy your family and your food. Yeah, I am 100% on board and in favor of sweet potato casserole, and 100% against the celebration of the genocide of the Native American. Same. I co-sign that.